0: you want to say today come Holy Spirit we pray the one who is intimately acquainted with all of our ways we ask in the name of Jesus Amen It's a familiar portion of scripture I'm sure for some of you who have been around for some time in the life of the church, the rebuilding of the walls of uh, Jerusalem and um, you know I wondered when I was planning over these previous weeks as to what things to be um, preaching about and this passage came to mind because I'm mindful of the predicaments that we're in as a country the challenges that we are having at the moment and equally the challenges that we may be having within our own families and communities. Who's going to stand in the gap and seek the Lord? Who? Who's going to call on God to come to our aid and help? and the Jews were returning back to Jerusalem after being in exile for 70 years they were perhaps coming back in dribs and drabs but they were coming back to their homeland their beloved Jerusalem that's where they belonged but when they returned they saw that it was a ruin that everywhere had been plundered that the walls had been knocked down that the temple had been destroyed and all, all that scenario and they wondered how on earth can this be put back to what it once was what did it look like I guess you don't have to use your imagination too much when you, you've seen places on the news like Aleppo and uh, Baghdad and the lights when you see the ruins and people walking around the ruins well Nehemiah when he returned he walked around those ruins he did it secretly at night walking around surveying the walls as he walked around here we have the walls here this is the walls of the what would be if you like the old city um, now so anybody that's been into Jerusalem that's the present position roughly of the old city walls where there's the golden gate here and the temple mount here etc and then it's in all the different quarters of the Jewish and Christian etc but here's where the walls were in the times of Nehemiah and even today they've discovered down here um, the walls of Nehemiah they've discovered the charred remains of the walls of Nehemiah this isn't a fairy story you know and Nehemiah walked around the, whoops, walked around the walls surveying and I guess must have thought how on earth are we going to do this how on earth are we going to rebuild the walls to their former glory but inspired by God He Christ gathers the people and he says come let's rebuild the walls and the people said let's start rebuilding I wonder if you'd ever realise that God is in the business of restoration of rebuilding of not discarding but using ruins and broken pieces and bringing them back perhaps to what they once were. I wonder if you'd realise that God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail and yet for 2,000 years plus there are rumours and gossip saying, oh, the church has had its day it's going to die off. Many, many philosophers over the centuries have said the same and do you know what? They've come and they've gone. And many empires have rose, the Persian and the Babylonians, the Romans, the Greeks, etc. have come and gone. And yet God's Word still prevails through it all. And yet God's church, the one that he's building is still standing might be stuttering in parts, might be limping in other bits might be a bit blemished but it's still standing and God is the one who's building the church and I take great comfort from that as pastor because sometimes as pastor you think it's all down to me but it's him that's building the church I simply offer myself to serve and to be part of the building of the church. And so, here we have the charge from Nehemiah, come on, let's rebuild. And the people say, yeah, come on, let's rebuild, let's come about it. Just be aware, whenever we're about doing God's business, there will always be opposition there will always be difficulties when we're gaining new ground when we're about building God's kingdom and not our own little kingdom I'm about building God's kingdom not about building our own little kingdom here beware there will be opposition because we see it here from from scripture that opposition came opposition came um, in verses 1 and 3 there through ridicule oops sorry there were those who were ridiculing it says of Sam Ballard that he became angry and was greatly incensed that word incensed as the same that he was glowing you know in the cartoons when somebody's going they've painted the face red they're just fuming That's Sambala, that's the image here. He was fuming that they were even intending to try and build the walls of Jerusalem. And so ridicule, mocking, making fun, belittling their efforts, taunting them, calling them names, they became the laughing stock. Feeble Jews, And the indication of being feeble Jews was the sense of them being weak and decaying like a plant. So the ridicule was, (laughs) even a light-footed fox will stumble over the walls and they'll just collapse. I mean, how ridiculous! You think you can rebuild the walls? Wait, will the horses come? so there was a sense of stop now and don't embarrass yourself and then there was the casting the doubts you lot build a wall it's like saying to me Steve you're doing the plumbing my wife has suffered with my plumbing in our early days of marriage when there was a simple job that needed to be done before the days of internet and I couldn't get guidance there my dad mum and dad for a wedding present gave me (laughs) the Reader's Digest (laughs) DIY book with the pictures do you remember it? some of them you had pictures to, to guide you through and I was trying to change a tap a unit and I said to my wife with confidence having read the instructions carefully it's okay love the water will only be off for an hour or so while I thought this 48 hours later <laughs> I had to call in help and they were casting doubts that they didn't have the skills or the labour force to build the walls give up now and then they were beginning to instill fear within them when they were halfway through rebuilding, the enemies of Jerusalem were plotting together. And they were stirring up trouble. And there was a whisper campaign. And the whisper campaign was just be careful because actually the enemy's going to come and they'll be all over you like a rash. You've no chance. Don't start now do a bit of self-preservation go and hide or something like this is my interpretation I might add keep yourself to yourself don't put your head over the parapet and we read there from this uh, campaign that the Ashdodites they're on the coast of the Mediterranean just down from Tel Aviv Ashdod one of the ports that is there now they joined this alliance from the west and we had Sambalad who was in Samaria he was from the, in the north of Jerusalem and then we had Tobiah and the Amorites on the east if you like over in Jordan as it present day is now and then there was the Arabs it says from the south so north, east, west, south the clouds were gathering if you like to come upon Jerusalem and as it were phrases that have been used over recent years to push them into the sea it reminds me of the six day war in in Israel in 1967 when the enemies of Israel gathered exactly like that all around them with a tiny little army and they were attacked but somehow the world took out the calculation of God and they prevailed against incredible odds we can see the tactics of Satan who opposes God's word and presence and purpose here in Nehemiah but also with us today you know Satan uh, the word in Hebrew means the accuser or the adversary is recognised as a liar a deceiver masquerading as an angel of light this is what scripture says scheming and plotting slandering Peter paints the image of someone who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour instilling fear and I love the way in which John Bunyan describes the lion in the pilgrim's progress that that as the pilgrims were on this journey um, and they were being opposed on that journey by these lions when they came across them yes they were making lots of noise yes they were able to put fear into the pilgrims But there was an important observation Bunyan made when he was writing the story. The lions were chained. The lions were chained. And yes, there's an enemy that comes around now and roars and he sounds loud and fearful, but there is someone who is able to chain them and there is somebody who's standing between us and those lions and protecting us on that journey so look at our country at the present moment in a place of chaos we're divided one for this one for the other I don't know about you when it comes to the election and I'm not telling you how to vote but I have to say oh Lord have mercy communities divided families divided is there any hope? when we look at our communities around and about us often the vulnerable who suffer first and what was deemed normal and acceptable for care in the communities I'm not making any political points observations are now not there as once they were Who remembers when the doctor would be known by the family and would come and visit? You would know who he was. I'm not making political points. It's observations. We talk about care in the community. But where is he? And it seems to me there's an opportunity here for the church that God is speaking. Will somebody stand up and be counted? Will somebody stand in the gap and come and seek my face and put their head above the parapet and join with God's plans and purposes? I wonder if when the doubts come, and the ridicule come from the whispering campaign of the enemy. Have you ever doubted your salvation? Have you ever had those moments, oh, I'm not sure whether I'm a follower of Jesus or not. It's the old enemy, whispering campaign. He whispers that you've got to earn your salvation when you're dependent upon grace. and so the whispering campaign is no you've got to do this you've got to be a do good a do-gooder and whatever and all the time God is offering his extravagant love and grace to us come to me come to me come as you are but come to me and as we come to him just as we are he doesn't leave us as we are but he does a work of transformation in and through us that we are then able to do those good works in the name of Jesus. Maybe people have made fun of you too. Maybe people have laughed when you've offered service in all sorts of different directions. Let me remind you, this isn't anything unusual or unknown. Remember all the attempts on Paul's life? preventing him from taking the good news message remember Jesus and all the difficulties that he had when he walked planet earth and eventually near in in the part of his life he warns the followers of Jesus and he says if they've done this to me then they're likely to do it to you if the world sees Christ in you the hope of glory a reflection of Jesus you're likely to get trouble. You're likely to get opposition. You're likely to be ridiculed. You're likely to be fearful because of what might be. And then Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world so I don't know whether you've made that decision to follow Christ or not but I've made that decision that I'm on a winner come what may because he has overcome the world so what were the strategies that Nehemiah and God's people were to use to overcome the ridicule and the doubts and the fears that the enemy were bringing in to prevent them from rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem well I love verse 6 of this chapter because after all the ridicule and the doubts and the fears Nehemiah prays and then verse verse 6 says so we rebuilt the walls I mean what faith what bravery what leadership that despite all that was happening he was still charging he was still keeping his eyes on God so we rebuilt the walls. And so there's a call to stand in the gap. He initially had sat down and wept like someone who was mourning and fasting and praying for God. It reminded me of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane who was pleading our cause seeking to save us too. Christ is standing in the gap even today on our behalf. Did you realise that? He's standing in the gap between heaven and earth. He's forever interceding on our behalf. It seems to me this standing in the gap stuff is Christ-like is putting yourself up there possibly to be shot down at but is standing in the gap to make a difference to people's lives and we read in verse 9 that they prayed and that they posted guards day and night to meet the threats. who will stand in the gap in the most vulnerable parts of the city this wasn't on the bits of the wall that were still firm this was in the gaps this was the bits where the enemy could easily access the city who's going to stand in those vulnerable bits because it requires people have faith but it requires people who are wanting to be watchmen watching out being alert sounding the alarm when the enemy and troubles might come. It requires people who are seeking to be compassionate and empathetic for others. So what do you see? What do you hear? Where are the ruins in your community, in our community, or in our homes? Or in our country? Where are the walls that have crumbled down? And it requires somebody to stand in the gap. What about the ministries in the life of the church? We're blessed with so many people engaging because it's not about the few. And this isn't a political statement either. It's about the many. (laughs) All playing their part and standing in the gap. There are many times things happen in the life of the church that everybody else isn't aware of, but I'm fully aware of, of people stepping up and standing in the gap in areas of ministry. It might not be their natural place, it might be that they have the skill set or they don't have the skill set, but there is a willingness to serve and stand in the gap. Because if there isn't somebody standing in the gap, then things don't work as well as they would have done. Standing in the gap. And they began to rebuild the walls where it it seemed mattered to them, if you read chapter 3 there, that the priests were involved, the goldsmiths were involved, and it seems to me that they, they built the walls where it mattered to them where it was, it, it was precious to them so we read there that the priests wanted to rebuild the sheep gate why did they want to rebuild the sheep gate? because the sheep gate was where the sheep came in and there's still a sheep market there today where the sheep, sheep came in and then they were prepared it was the nearest gate to, to the temple where they were prepared to be brought to be sacrificed it was precious to the priests. They wanted to get their bits sorted. And so, as they went around the wall, there would have been families, well, this is our patch. Let's rebuild our wall bit here. Well, this is our bits. I can't do it all, but I can do this little bit here. And amazingly, Nehemiah galvanised the people of God for them all to just play their little bit and so that the people perhaps psychologically realised I can't do it all, it's overwhelming, I can't cope with all of that but I can do that little bit and then as they began over time to look around to the left and their right they began to see the walls being rebuilt because they were standing together and they began to choose to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so i asked myself the question asked ourselves the question so what areas matter to us as we look around us within our family settings within our church setting within our community within our country who is in the greatest trouble where are the biggest whose lives appear in ruins and what about our country who will stand in the gap who is stirred to weep and to cry before God as Nehemiah did when he walked around the walls do you remember Abraham pleaded the case of Sodom before God that he might withhold his judgment on them for the sake of 50 lords for the sake of 40 for the sake of 20 for the sake of 10 lords moses did a similar thing when the children of israel mucked things up with the golden calf and he went before god and he pleaded before god and he said lord please forgive their sins but if not then blot me out of the book you have written that's intercession that's crying out to God who's standing in the gap for our land at this time that God might be gracious and merciful and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven it seems an impossible task on its own but calling everyone to play a part they made it manageable and less overwhelming. Whether that's for us in our present situation any building projects, whether that's messy church, whether that's stepping out and doing alpha, whether the discussions regarding caffeine ministry at the present moment, whether that's coming alongside people pastorally caring and rebuilding broken lives. They stood side by side shoulder to shoulder to rebuild the ruined walls of Jerusalem and they all chose to play a part the the strategies of Nehemiah was for people to stand in the gap but also it was important that they stood united that they weren't in disarray unity is a reflection of of the Godheads, one body one spirit one Lord one Father of all and it seems to me that when we're united we capture a glimpse of God unity is something that God wants to bless read Psalm 133 I want to be in that place where God can't hold back his blessing because we are tightly united in him. Unity allows for diversity in the family of God. We're not all the same. Look around, we're all different. And we all have a different life experience, different skill sets that we can bring and offer to the family of God and to the kingdom of God unity allows for diversity so when you look at those building the walls it wasn't just the bricklayers but the priests were involved and the perfumists were involved and David Coe and the goldsmiths were involved they all had a part to play if you like every Tom, Dick and Harriet had a part to play and were united in where they were going and it seems to me that the main aim of any opposition would be to get the family the people at loggerheads with each other however talented anyone is disunity spells trouble in any family organisation or team our country and our communities are divided at the moment and that has a ripple effect on our homes and church we need to learn to agree to disagree well without seeing the opposing view as the enemy Sadly, it seems to me that most of the disagreements in the life of the church are not about doctrinal matters, is Jesus Lord or not? And though some of those principles are worth fighting about, but most of the disagreements in the life of the church are usually down to opinions and preferences. And people perhaps not submitting and digging their heels in and making life difficult and awkward. And we all know, we've all been, we've been around long enough, we all know the ripple effects of that. We all know the pain and the agony of those things. And the old enemy is sat there rubbing his hands because we're in disarray and not able to do anything or think straight because in those difficult moments of disunity to be honest in my experience it becomes all consuming you can't think of anything else you're trying your best to try and sort things out and somehow it's one step forward and two steps back in those difficult places so the secret of rebuilding the walls is unity So when any of the tactics of the enemy comes in and there's a whispering campaign of oh well, he's doing what he wants to do or whatever. Just be aware of where it might be coming from. And my policy has always been if you've got those disagreements please go and talk. Talk to the person rather than talking to half a dozen other people first. Because then that grumbling turns to gossiping, and that molehill turns to a mountain. And then there's a side here, and there's a side there that isn't Christ like. And I know we're human. That's how we're all human. I am far from perfect. And we all make mistakes. I was telling Marion just the other week I made another mistake. I went into the shoe shop, I was looking for some shoes and I was looking for a bargain of course and I saw these trainers type shoes I wasn't looking for trainers but I saw these trainers which were 8 quid I thought bargain can't go wrong with them, I'll have them anyway put them on, they seemed to be alright got home, when I come to take the labels off underneath I realised I'm a size 7 I realised one was 7 and one was 8 we all make mistakes but we have a God in whom we can find forgiveness and a fresh start and the prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane was that, do you know what his prayer was? was that we might be one that's how serious unity is that we might be one so there's a part of the unity where we're doing our best Scripture encourages us, do your best. Make uh, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Speak well of each other. Pray God's blessing on each other. Avoid the gossip and the hearsay. Recognise the variety of gifts in the life of the church. As James would say, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Seek to forgive one another. Because one day, you'll need forgiveness too and love one another and Nehemiah and his people it says that they worked with a tool to rebuild in one hand and ready with a weapon in the other it says that they didn't undress or relax but they were alert they were ready at a moment's notice to stand and to defend and to fight their corner they stood united and firm there was a real sense of I'll fight for you not I'll fight with you I'll fight for you you're needed in order for us to rebuild these walls that's what the sense was in the community go on I dare you turn to the person on your right and your left and say to them I'll fight for you go on I want you to turn to each other now and just say, We need you. We need you. We need you. Do you know what? There'll be folk here this morning that just hearing that said to them will be a shot in the arm of just encouragement. Oh, I thought I was neither use nor ornament. But they need me. We're not just saying it. I hope we're meaning that with our whole being. We need you. I need you. Somebody said, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticise me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. And finally, remember the Lord's. Don't be afraid of them. I wonder how many times we read that in Scripture. time and time again. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. As we come to Advent, the story's full of it. Don't be afraid, Don't be afraid. In other words, there will be difficulties, but don't be afraid. And Nehemiah, inspired by the Spirit of God, I'm sure, said, Now, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and families. And Nehemiah chose to use a trumpet or a shofar to sound the alarm and gather the people together. And he declared God's victory... Our God will fight with us. God is bigger than any challenges you're facing in your life. He's bigger than your critics. He's bigger than your enemies. And he's bigger than your obstacles. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. I don't know about you, but I can imagine Nehemiah going around and saying to the people, Do you remember Moses? Do you remember how the Lord parted the sea for him? Do you remember um, Gideon? Do you remember how the Lord downsized the team and it was only a small little group? Do you remember? And they're all going, oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Lord came to our aid, didn't he? Well, why wouldn't he now? Do you know what? We've also got our own little stories, And maybe part of that is not necessarily saying, to remember Moses? But also just remembering God's gracious and loving work within our own lives and telling our God's stories to other yeah I was in a place like that Bridget too but do you know what I didn't know what to do I didn't know where to turn but the Lord came in and touched my life when nobody else could it's telling our God stories remember the Lord great and awesome he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or dream about according to his power that is at work in and through us I'm just going to flick the page to verse to chapter 6 and verse 15 and just, and just read verse 15 and 16 and it says so the, wo- the wall was completed on the 25th day in 52 days When all the enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations, wait for it, all the surrounding nations were afraid. That's a turn up up for the books, isn't it? All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our gods. Wow! There must have been some trumpets being blown when that wall was rebuilt so together let's stand in the gap let's stand in an attitude of prayer and intercession let's stand in those areas where there's gaps in the life of ministry let's stand and come alongside people who are struggling and broken let's stand within our communities for those who seem vulnerable let's stand for justice and truth Mm. so I'm exhausted now bit into action now, and this isn't embarrassing anyone, because you're not having to physically do anything here, but having been challenged by the word of God, the important thing with anything from the word of God is applying it to our own lives, otherwise you say, oh wasn't that a lovely story that Steve told, what does it mean for us and for you? and we're going to go into our intercessory prayer in a moment not a long winded affair as such but I'm wanting to just highlight in our prayers some of those places that we need people to stand in the gap and maybe in a a prayerful attitude you might be saying Lord here am I use me in that bit let's pray that we will maintain our bonds of peace and of unity so that together we can make a world of a difference to our community around us oh they need the Lord may it be so that when they look at us there's a sense of ah, yeah, don't they love each other and go the extra mile what is it about them? Who is their God? We're going to use that newer song that we let uh, Richard introduce.